So just give me one second. I'm going to set up this camera for my class that I have to record this, and then we'll get started. All right, good morning. How's everyone doing today? Good. We good? Awesome. All right, so this message, this sermon is going to come mostly from our 1 Corinthians passage that we just read. Um, but the question I have for you guys, does anyone like sports movies? Yeah? So I love sports movies. They are one of my favorite types of movies, especially when it's based on a true story. There's something fun, there's something powerful and heartwarming, and even sometimes magical when you're transported into the middle of a story of a group of people who normally they have their differences and they've got challenges or barriers that are keeping them from reaching their full potential. Until someone like a coach or a new leader on the team or something like a defining moment brings the team together and helps them move toward their full potential. And now one of my favorite sports movies is Remember the Titans. Has anyone seen it? So it tells the story of a high school football team in the late 60s, early 70s, shortly after segregation was no longer a thing. And what happens is this. The school board finally decided to fully integrate the all-black school with the all-white school. And now in Alexandria, Virginia, this was a problem because there was a long-standing history of separation. And so there were several people on both sides that didn't want this to happen. They were angry. They were full of hatred. And in this moment, in this school year, the town, two schools, two football teams had to learn to become one. And at the beginning, it was not easy. The players were resistant. They were stubborn. They didn't fully buy into Coach Boone's tactics or philosophy. And so they didn't make progress. They remained two separate teams trying to come together until they went away to camp. And it was at camp where they were away from the distractions of home and they were um, kind of by themselves practicing late at night that Julius, the black leader, and Gary, the white leader, finally decided to bridge the gap. And late one night, they started coming together as a teammate. And from that moment forward, it was no longer two teams, but one team with a common goal. And you could say that the rest is history. They became, they were undefeated, they won the championships, and in many ways they helped unite the town. And now this morning, we're not talking about a football team. That would be kind of cool though. Um, but we're actually talking about a different kind of team, a church, the church in Corinth. And now just to set the scene a little bit, Corinth was a metropolis. It was a wealthy place. It was kind of centered in between northern and southern Greece. It was a trade hub. There was all sorts of things happening here. It was culturally diverse. Think a city like New York. It's very similar to something like that. And Paul, the apostle, he had spent much time in the city building the church, raising up leaders 
so that in his absence, it would continue. And that would allow Paul to move on to another area, another region, to start a church there as well, to expand the kingdom. However, while away, Paul receives a letter, a report that says there's a problem. And the, the major problem in the church was that there were divisions. There were factions. There were different groups of people that were creating disunity. They weren't harmonized. See, what had happened is that there were four groups that had begun following or expressing their loyalty to different people. See, there was one group that was loyal to Paul. He was the founding pastor. He got them going. He is the, the real leader of this church. But then there were some who were drawn to Apollos because he was an outstanding preacher. And people in ancient Greece were drawn to great orators. And so they expressed their loyalty to Apollos. But then there were some who were um, loyal to the church in Jerusalem, to Peter, right? Because that's where the church began and that's where we should be loyal to. And then there were some who just skipped all human leaders and they went straight to Christ. And now, that might sound like the right choice. However, with their loyalty to Christ came this elitist, I'm better than you and everyone else mentality. You see, these four groups, they were not working together. They were um, creating so many problems. They were pushing the church toward the brink of disaster. And so Paul does what he does best, and he writes a letter. And in his letter, he urges the church. He appeals to the church. He begs the church that there would be no divisions and that they would become united in the same mind and for the same purpose. And now maybe you've got some experience in getting a group of people to think the same way or be on the same page. It sounds pretty simple until you actually try to make it happen. And now maybe your family is a little bit different than ours, but I can't remember the last time that we agreed on a restaurant the first time. See, normally it takes a little bit of persuasion or even sometimes having to flex your parental muscles to get a decision made. We've all been there, right? And so that's exactly when Paul is referring to unity, he's not talking about uniformity. He doesn't want everybody to think the same way and act the same way and be completely the same. Instead, he's talking about the approach that we take toward things, being of the same mind and of the same judgment or purpose. It's about putting the things of Christ or the God things first. And then as an individual, be willing to not get your way and being okay with that or suffering loss of not having your own needs met so that Christ may be glorified, so that people may see Christ and that the church may grow, the kingdom may grow. You see, it's in, it's in situations where the church approaches life and decisions with this attitude of putting God things first that true unity has the opportunity to flourish. And life, and especially church life, would be so boring if we all thought the exact same way. Right, see, God gave us different experiences, like we all have different experiences and different thoughts and perspectives, and that's a good thing because it allows us to make a bigger impact on the people 
and the community around us. You see, and I'm thankful that Mount Olive, for the most part, is a church of no divisions, right? That we are centered around Christ and sharing his message and his gospel and his love to the community around us. And yes, there are different of opinions about how we approach things or the way we go about it, yet at the end of the day, we're centered on Christ and we realize that working together and chasing after Jesus together is a lot more fruitful than arguing about things. And then Paul goes on to ask three questions. He says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And I think the answer to each of these questions is the obvious no, right? But what Paul was trying to hit at and get at the heart of the issue of what was happening is that people in the church were placing leaders on too high of a pedestal. They were putting leaders in positions that belonged to Christ alone. You see, what Paul wanted us to realize and what he wanted the church to realize is that it's not about me as an individual or it's not about a leader. It's all about Jesus. You see, no pastor, no leader, no human can save us. And that's exactly what Paul was reminding the church. Faith is about Jesus. He was crucified for us. He overcame death for us. He is the one that we are baptized into. And then there's a little section in there where Paul starts talking about how thankful he is that he didn't baptize that many of them, right? And I don't know if you picked up on that, but that's sarcasm. That's kind of Paul's being funny. Because, and what he's trying to get at is, I am glad that my name isn't attached to all these baptisms and to all of these good things that are happening in Corinth. And it's not because he doesn't think that highly of baptism. No, it's rather what was happening is people were being more concerned about who baptized them than rather being baptized. You see, because see, it's all about Jesus. And, but we fall into this trap too sometimes. Sometimes we place more of an emphasis on who gives the message as opposed to the message. And Maybe you've experienced something similar to this. You tell someone that you love, and now normally it's someone that's pretty close to you. You tell them some advice, you give them advice, or maybe you show, try to show them something and even tell them multiple times. Yet it's not until they hear the same thing from someone else that it actually sticks. And they come back to you and say, hey, did you hear about this or did you know about this? And in your mind you're saying, yes, I've been telling you that for weeks but I'm glad that you finally understand, right? And so that's why it's important for us to not fall into this trap of falling in love with a leader or a method because at the end of the day, it's the message of God that's most important. It's the message of Christ and it's Christ alone that unites us as individuals and followers and then as a church as a whole. And then Paul goes on to the end and he talks about his purpose. His purpose is about preaching the gospel, expanding the kingdom, helping people come to know, fall in love with, and then be saved by Jesus. Because the cross 
is where the true power lies. It's the cross of Jesus that has the power to heal the brokenness in our lives, to fill the cracks of the pain and the suffering in our lives, and to heal the brokenness of the world. And so Paul brings us back to the cross, to focus on the cross, because ultimately that's what it's all about. See, the cross saves us, the cross frees us, it restores us, and it unites us. And see, Paul knew his purpose. And we have the same purpose as Paul, to share the gospel, share God's love with the people around us, to walk in love. And now this is going to look different for each one of us because God has gifted us with different skills and we walk different paths and we're in different situations and circumstances. See, we may think differently and we have different lives, yet at the end of the day, we are united around the cross and we are called to share that message of Jesus' death and resurrection and the healing power with others. And see, part of being united is being together, is being closer to one another. And so as individuals, how do we grow closer to one another? And maybe there's someone in your life right now that you're thinking about, how do I get closer to them? And so what I want us to imagine is, Nori, if you've got it, I'm ready. I want you to imagine that our life is similar to a bicycle wheel, right? Bicycle wheels, they, they propel us down the road of life, down the path. And now I want you to imagine that each one of us is a spoke on that wheel. And Jesus is the center Right, and so as we, as individuals, move closer to Jesus, the natural outcome, the natural response to that is that we draw closer to one another. See, being united, it's hard to be united when we're far apart, but when we're together, when we're standing close together, and this is both here at church, but this also in your lives. Maybe it's a spouse, or a child, or parents, or who knows, coworkers, friends, anybody. As we draw closer to Christ and as other people draw closer to Christ in our lives, we get closer to one another and we become more united in Christ. And see, in many ways, we're a team. And just like that team from the Titans movie, they rallied it together around a common goal, a common purpose. We too have a common purpose, a common goal as individuals, as followers of Christ, but more importantly, as a church. See, we are united in Christ and we have a choice to make. Are we going to pursue our own focus? Are we gonna be self-focused, me-focused? Or are we going to be Jesus-focused? Are we as individuals going to chase after our own purposes? Or are we going to unite and chase after God's purpose of sharing the cross with one another, not with one another, but with the world around us and one another? And so I'm going to end today's message with the prayer that we read in the gospel. Um, and so just to give you a little bit of context, that comes from, to us from John chapter 17. Um, that is right before Jesus is about to be turned over to the Romans to be crucified for us. He's with his disciples and this is what they call the priestly, the high priestly prayer. 
And in it, Jesus is not praying just for his disciples, but he's also praying for us today, his church. And so I'm going to read this. I'm going to pray this through Jesus. All right. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. See, being united, see, we have a common goal, right? God is using each one of us in our lives and together as a church to, to be a witness to the world. And it's a lot easier, it's a lot more easy to do that when we are united, when we are together. And so that's my prayer for us today, that, that we would be united to Christ, but then that we would be united in Christ and that we would live out our purpose of sharing the gospel with the world around us. And so now I would invite you to stand as we say together in unity the Apostles' Creed, the statement of faith. It says this, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth.